0: God, I thank you for this morning as we're going to enter into this time as we study what is prayer, how you move through prayer, the things that you do in prayer, not just for us, but in us. And God, I just pray that you would fill this place right now. Holy Spirit, fall upon this room. Make my words null and void. Would your words come forth? Would your presence be here, God? And would you say exactly what you want to say in this room? God, I'm trusting you in that. I'm believing you in that. And if there's someone in this room that is just experimenting with Christianity or this is their first time at the church, God, I just pray that you would just so personally and beautifully encounter them in a way that they have never experienced before. God, that they would leave this place knowing one thing, they had an encounter with the God of heaven. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is probably a day where prayers go up, honestly, probably the most, other than maybe Super Bowl, other than today there are four teams playing and not two. So if you're in this room and you're either a Chiefs fan or, who is it, a Bengals fan or a 49ers or Rams fan, you're probably praying this morning, Oh dear God, please help my team win. We're almost home in Jesus' name, win this football game, to which I want to say that's great, but I really don't think God cares all that much who wins, because what about the Jaguars who are awful? I promise you there were Christians praying this year, oh God, would you please help our team be better? And they weren't. So just to let you know, I don't think he really cares all that much who wins the football game. But a recent survey showed that Americans do pray, and here's some of the statistics that They found 82% pray for family and friends, 74% for difficulties and problems in their lives, 54% give thanks, 36% pray for their own prosperity, which is not shocking since we live in a prosperity-driven culture, 21% pray this, get it, you may have prayed it, I'm not bashing if you did, that you would win the lottery, 14% for God to avenge them or to get revenge for them. Here we go, 13% for sports teams to win. There's a lot of that going on today, like I said. 12% for a good parking spot. Oh, God, I left late. Will you please open up the heavens and give me a spot? 7% avoid a speeding ticket. Oh, God, I'm going to break the law, but please get me out of it. 5% for someone to get fired. Man, that's brutal. 5% for celebrities, I don't think it's for their salvation either, and 4% for someone else to fail. All that to say this is all of those are but one, pray for one thing, God, give me something, please. One of them prays just to give thanks and praise God for who he is. One of them. See, I want us to see this morning what prayer is, and surely God answers the prayers of his people That's why he commands us to come to him. But prayer is not all about asking him to give me my selfish desires. It's not all about God just give me what I want. Some of it needs to be just praising him and thanking him and acknowledging his grandeur and his greatness. And it's amazing what God does. Should we ask God for things absolutely But is that all that prayer is? Absolutely not. And I think we miss the beauty of it because we think that prayer is just me asking for God to do something for me, which he wants to do. Please hear that. But it's not all that it is. See, prayer, if we break it down, is really personal communication with the God of heaven. Think about this. You may know this person. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But you may know a person, and maybe it's you. If it is, I'll pray for your soul. But that the whole world revolves around them. It's like every conversation you have, you just are like blasted with information. These people say, man, this this happened in my life. And it's just like this influx of information coming at at you and at you and at you and at you. And at some point, it's utterly exhausting. And you laugh, but it's often the same in our prayer life with God. We come before him and we get on our knees or we give him five minutes and we're like, okay, God, I have this amount of time. Here's what I need. Here's what I want. And we just word vomit at him and we never take time to listen to what he actually may want to say to us. As with any healthy relationship, it's a two-way street. It's give and take. It's not just, I don't just like word vomit to my wife Our whole marriage I have to listen and I believe that God is saying this morning to someone he wants you to listen and hear his voice because as we're gonna see that's what causes us to stand in awe of his glory that's what he needs is for us to listen so here's where we're going healthy prayer involves this three things praising petitioning and listening But most of us hang out on number two all our lives, petitioning. And we miss what he wants to do. We miss what he wants to reveal to us. But before we look at these, I want to take a few minutes to set this up biblically and see why church matters or why prayer matters to us and the church. It's vital. It's vital for health. Did you know that Jesus never said, my house shall be a house of preaching or music? or coffee or humanitarian aid none of it he said my house shall be a house of prayer matthew 21:13 says this my house shall be a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers before you write this off and be like oh yeah i've heard that when he went and flipped tables where they were selling things in the temple and what a disaster that was hear this <laughs> Their heart behind doing this was not this heart of like trying to despise God. It was actually trying to make it convenient for people who were coming to the temple to buy animals, to sacrifice, to give to God. Their intentions were not ill. The problem was, and this is the scary part, that it naturally drifted that way and we are no different in the church today. Jesus said his house is to be a house of prayer, and we do everything but that. And it's not with these ill intentions, it's just it naturally occurs. It's because we foster this environment of convenience. And when convenience is fostered, prayer is absent, and we miss the power of God. See, we have a lot of great preachers and musicians and lights and coffee and regulated room temperatures and media, but what we don't have in the church today is prayer. And I submit to you, I wonder if that is one of the leading causes why America is, for the first time ever, as we saw a couple weeks ago, Generation Z is the first post Christian generation in the history of this country. Could it be because we are missing prayer? Could it be? The early church was committed to prayer. Hear this, Acts 2, 42 through 43. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Don't miss this. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I think I have a picture for what commitment and devotion looks like, I hope. Boom. Boom. You want to talk about commitment and devotion? I mean, that looks awful, but they still showed up for the big game. They're still there rooting their team on and praying in Jesus' name that they would win. That's what commitment and devotion looks like. So put that in your mind now. We can take that off the screen and hear this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. See, I'm not a cessationist. I believe the gifts still do exist today. I believe that we have to be very careful with what that looks like because there is some that is just a facade and not true at all, but God still is moving. He's still manifesting himself with power. And we have the preachers or the apostles. We have the fellowship. It's hounded in every church in America as we see in Acts. And we have the breaking of bread. What do we not have anymore? And the prayers. It's the first thing to get left out. And I would argue that the lack of prayer is crucial. Why? Because we are missing the glory of God. We are missing this awe of the God of heaven. Because prayer prepares our hearts for just that. And we're missing it. A pastor visiting Jim Cimbala's church one weekend came, and Jim introduced him and said, hey, he has a few words that he wants to share, and he got up on the stage, and this is all he said. He said, I heard what your pastor has said, and I just want to say a few things. You can tell how popular your church is by who shows up on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor the evangelist is by who shows up on Sunday night, and you can tell how popular Jesus is by who shows up at the prayer meeting. Ouch. I mean, we could have a room here of 300 people with kids and if we didn't offer worship or subpar preaching and we said we're just going to have a prayer meeting, we're going to show up Sunday morning and come and seek the face of God and ask him to reveal himself and show his glory, how many would show up? My guess is 15, 20 at max maybe. And it's not a bash. I'm guilty of it. We have prayer at 8.30 in the morning every Sunday morning. How many show up? 8 to 10. It's one of the favorite, my favorite parts of the whole morning is in that war room praying for God to move. See, please hear this. I'm not saying, man, we've messed everything up and we're doing everything. You guys are awful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I've missed the mark too. If, if you were to see my prayer life displayed on a screen, it would probably be embarrassing a lot of weeks. My goal, my hope this morning is that we would see this God of heaven, that we would see from his word the awe that comes upon his people when we will bow low and listen to his voice for that's what he wants of us. He wants us to hear him and know him because that's when he reveals himself in amazing ways. Did you know that, listen to what Charles Spurgeon said in regard to this. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if, he not be, and if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be the slothfulness in prayer. Did you know that prayer moves the heart of God? Doubt me if you have your Bibles, Exodus 32, 9 through 14. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people... And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. And therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn against them, and I may consume them, in order that, they may, that I may make a great nation of you. Verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent... Did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self. And he said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever and then... Listen to this, verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken, bringing on his people. Moses was in the gap, pleading for his people, saying, God, oh, relent. God, give us another chance and move the heart of God. And God relented of the disaster that he was going to bring. But it was Moses coming before him and acknowledging him and praying to him 1 John 5, 14 through 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. See, prayer creates expectation and great faith. It's being in the presence of this great God that gives courage, that gives faith. God is the author and perfecter of your faith, not you. You can't muster it on your own strength. You can't do all these things on your own strength. God is the author and perfecter of your faith. How do we meet with him? We listen, we praise, we petition, we come to him in prayer and say, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I need you to show up, and he responds to prayer. You know, one of the biggest misused verses in all of Scripture is this, John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Did you know that this is not a secret passcode to get you into the next level of Fortnite? If you're a gamer, I don't know anything about it, but Or to avoid a speeding ticket or to help your Bengals win today. In Jesus' name would they win. Or maybe even help me hit the ball straight in the golf simulator today, Curtis. It could be that too, I don't know. In Jesus' name would I not hit my mega slice. But it's often the most misused passage in all of Scripture. See, it's not this concoction for a magic formula that just makes all our prayers come true. If we understand what Jesus is saying, he's saying this. That if we pray in Jesus' name, it's not just praying in his authority, but also praying in the way that is consistent with his character. You know what's amazing about when we pray in the way that's consistent with God's character? (laughs) He answers prayers. (laughs) When I was in college, I shared this a little while back, um, but God called me to preach the gospel to Montana State University before I left the campus. And so we did this big event, and we called it Reveal. And my heart was, man, people are lost. Like, they just need the gospel. Let's do it, God. And I remember that was a season of my life where I was probably the closest to God as I've ever been. I was in his word, and but hear this. I was seeking his face. You know what happens when we seek his face according to his will, according to what he desires? He responds. He filled a room with a thousand college kids. I mean, you want to talk about crazy? I was like, we're renting all the ballrooms and we're putting as many chairs as we can in there. And I'm believing God to fill it. And as crazy as it sounds, I literally went into the room expecting God to fill it. Why? Because it was aligned with his character. It was aligned with his nature and his will. If I was praying, oh, God, would you fill this room so that everyone can say, oh, man, Luke has such amazing faith, and so we have all these numbers. You think the outcome would have been the same? I don't know, but very likely, probably not. Did you know that when we take time to listen to God, whatever your request, whatever you need, when we align our lives with his will, we then begin to pray according to his character and nature, and he responds. He answers prayers. He's on the throne. We are not. So with the time we have left, I want to go over this. How do we pray? Because you're like, well, that's great, Luke. That worked for you, but I don't even know how to pray. <laughs> In fact, I tried doing it the other day, and I was into about my fifth word, and then I realized, man, I forgot, uh, forgot I need to clean the garage, or my phone buzzed, and It was my best friend calling, and all of a sudden I got distracted. You know how I know? Because I'm guilty. (laughs) If I don't leave my phone in the other room, I promise you this, my prayer will get interrupted every time, and I will be completely distracted, and the devil will have accomplished what he wanted to do. I have been there 500,000 times before. I'm with you. So don't be overwhelmed by this. So how do we pray? That's what I want to spend the rest of the time. Biblically, how do we pray? It's these three things. We praise, we petition, and we listen. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, I think we miss this part most days, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we read this verse, I am totally guilty. I usually read it, and all I see is prayer and supplication. God, how do I petition you for what I want? What do I need? God, just show me and show up. Do the things that only you can do. Did you know that it's in praise and thanksgiving that prepares our hearts to petition and to listen? To remember all that he has done. To praise him for his faithfulness. The things that he has already revealed to show himself to you. I said this a couple weeks ago and I was thinking about it again this morning. Prayer is not so much us praying that God would show himself faithful. That he would answer the prayers that we need. This is what prayer is. Is God, I want to praise you. I want to give you praise and thanksgiving for what you have already done Why? Because it removes the scales from our eyes to see that he is faithful, that he has answered prayers, that he has moved in ways that only he can. But we often miss it because we jump straight to petition. John Wellman says this, God is always worthy of our praise and praise benefits us too. When we praise God, we make room for him in our hearts, in our minds, for him to come in. Praise lifts our spirits and drives away the devil. So sing, dance, and lift your hands, Baptist. Do whatever you can to praise the Lord. I went to a Baptist seminary, and sometimes, well, there's no dancing. There's no raising these hands thing, man. Why is your hand in the air? You know what I say? Lift your hands in praise. Dance and give glory to God. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to praise, praise. That is what worship is. But when we come to this place of praise and thanksgiving, we cannot help but stand in awe of the God of heaven. And it opens up our hearts to prepare us to pray what? According to his will. If we jump straight to petition, I promise you it happens every time in my life. Selfish, 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 sounds holy, underlined selfish, 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 right? I mean, you know it's true. We so often miss this praise. When I come to God in prayer, I try to always, and I don't do it always, I'm telling you I'm not perfect, far from, I'm walking with this in you, but I'm telling you this is how it works. Every time I come to God and I start my prayer with God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for who you are. I praise you because you answered that prayer. God, I give thanks to you because you are worthy of praise. I have nothing to do with this. I promise you every time I do it, I enter into my petition, my asking him time, and it's completely different because it's according to his will and not my own See, so we don't thank and praise him so that he will be faithful we praise him because it opens our eyes to see that he is faithful and that's the key that's the key it's through praise and thanksgiving that we make room in our hearts to come to him And once we have invited him in, our souls are naturally captivated by his goodness and his grace. And his awe, we just, we can't help it but just stand in awe. Because he is so good and he has done so many things that we do not deserve. The second thing is this. First is we praise and we thank. The second is this, we petition. In the same exact verse, I want you to see this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we just covered, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you know... That God wants us to come to him with our requests and our pain and our joy and our struggle and our questions and our desires and our doubts and all of it. He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Give it. To me, because I want this relationship with you, Luke. It's not just this give, give, give. It's not just this or this take, take, take from you. I want to give to you, but you have to give me room to speak and then come and ask what you will. Because once you have praised, you're praying in accordance with my will. Of course I want to answer that. And you're saying, Well, that's great, Luke, but God hasn't answered the prayer that I've been praying. I've been petitioning him for 30 years that my son or my daughter would get saved. I've been petitioning him that my mother who is struggling with some health issue would be free and it hasn't happened. In fact, I was praying for my mom and she's now dead or whatever it may be. I've had many prayers in my life that God has not answered the way that I wished he would have answered. Many, 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 many could layer the screen with them. But I want you to hear this. In our petitions to him, he may not answer them in the way that we think he should answer him. We're not guaranteed that this side of heaven. That's why we don't live for this day. We live for the coming day. But I promise you this, he hears them. But I also promise you this, he will not answer a prayer that is going to hurt you, to pull you from him, to do things that would have an adverse effect. Think of it this way. If you are a parent and your kid is like, man, mom, I want candy. Okay, go open the kitchen or the cabinet and get the whole bag and eat it all at once because that's what he wants. Sometimes my prayers before God probably sound the same way. God, I need this, I want this, I want this. And God's like, yeah, but if you eat the whole bag of candy, you have no idea how sick you're going to be. You're going to spend the next three days in the bathroom. See, sometimes we bring these things to God and the outcome will not be healthy. Example, when I launched our first church... I launched a church, and I said, man, I'm ready for this. I got the tiger by the tail, and God's going to do amazing things. And he caused it to fail, and I praise God he caused it to fail, even though it wasn't all of my own doing board stuff and all this other stuff. But I look back now, and I say, praise God he did not keep that church going, because I know what would have happened looking back now. I would have thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And when God began to do something, there would have been something in me that, like, man, Luke, look what you did. Well done. And you know what? It would have destroyed me. I praise God for unanswered prayers. Even in my greatest petition, he listens, but he may not answer the way that you think he should answer, and it's for your good and not your detriment. Once again, 1 John 5.14 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. What an amazing promise. (laughs) What an amazing promise. That God wants us to come to him and petition him. That he wants us to come and just lay our burdens and our struggles and our joys and our disasters. And he wants us to come to him. And you know what happens when we petition him after we praise him? Even if the prayer is not answered the way we thought it should be, he does something in our heart that I cannot even explain that just reminds you of his presence. You know, the greatest thing we get out of prayer is presence, a peace that passes understanding. That even if my mother dies of cancer, and even if my daughter is running away and my son is going off the deep end, that I have this confidence, this steady assurance, this hope as an anchor for my soul that, God, this is your thing God, I'm going to petition you and I'm going to believe you to save my son or daughter and I'm going to believe you to heal my mom or dad and I'm going to believe you for that why because he still does. Anyone that tells you that God does not heal today is a liar straight from the pit of hell. God wants to heal. He wants to do things in us, but he's more concerned about what he's doing in us than what he's doing through us or showing to us. He wants us to understand his presence. He wants us to stand in awe of who That's what prayer does. It causes us to stand in awe. The last thing is this. (laughs) And out of all three, this is probably the one that I miss the mark on the most, and I'm sure you relate. We listen. Think about it. We live in a culture that is so busy. I wake up to... Drag myself out of bed, and maybe you get ready for the day in front of the news or Good Morning America or whatever you do or radio. I don't know. There's noise. You're doing your hair. You're doing your breakfast. The microwave's beeping after you put your stuff in, and the toaster pops, and there's this noise and. And you finally get it all, and then the kids come downstairs, and it's mass chaos, and they're screaming, and they're getting them out the door to school, and then you get in your car, and you go to work, and you're listening to a podcast, or the radio, or you get a phone call, and then you get to work, and it doesn't get any better. It actually just gets more busy. And then you have lunch, finally, you're like, all right, I got McKenzie River date with my buddy, and we're going to go do McKenzie River, and you chat, 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 and then you get back to work, and it's chaos again, and then finally... Five o'clock rolls around, you're like, oh, praise God, my day's over. And then I jump in my car and I listen to my podcast. I jump on the phone. I listen to the radio. And then I get home and I go to the gym or do whatever I do. And there's chaos everywhere and there's noise everywhere. And then I prepare dinner. And then my kids put them to bed. And then I lay on the couch and watch TV until I fall asleep. And then I wake up and I do it all again. Right? Am I wrong? It's just filled with noise 24 hours a day, all day long. And when you're sleeping, you're not thinking anyway. You may be dreaming, but it's, it may be quiet, but you're off somewhere else. You're not listening for God. <laughs> but we get in this season where it's so, so busy, and we carry that into our prayer life of this word vomit to God, and we never take time to listen. See, we often try to hear the voice of God amidst the chaos of life. We try to find him in the noise, but he's often not in the noise. Don't believe me? 1 Kings 19, 1 through 13. And he said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Keep in mind, Elijah had just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. He had just seen God manifest his power in a way that all of us would, I would love to see that kind of a display of the power of God. He had seen him move in abundance of power, and now he's running from this woman who has threatened his life. You <laughs> just killed 450 prophets of Baal and one lady, now you're running and hiding in a cave, Elijah? It's crazy. I can relate, but it's crazy. Maybe he was looking for God in this demonstration of power which he had seen many times before, but not this time. See, God often does show himself in a display of power. What happens when he does is we always seek for him to show himself in a display of power, in the big things, in the magnitude, in the things of life that are just like mind-blowing. We look for that why, because he still does it, but sometimes he moves through a whisper. Sometimes we miss what God is wanting to do because we're focused on what he did do. It's like the high school basketball player. The glory is, oh, man, I remember back in 1986 when I threw that dunk down on that big center. Man, those were the days. I keep trying to dunk, but every time I do, I roll my ankle or blow my ACL. Okay, maybe you should take the hint and just be still. Maybe instead of trying to dunk and do all these things, just watch basketball, coach, do something. But here's what I'm trying to say. Don't miss God in the quiet moments. Because often he wants to speak in a whisper, and we miss him because we refuse to listen. See, this is my hope for us as a church. That we wouldn't miss him in the name of convenience and power. That we would learn the balance of praise, petition, and listen. That we would learn what it means to pray. Why? So that we might be filled with awe of this amazing God that we serve. Awe does not come through word vomit. Awe comes through praise and thanksgiving and listening. And then God chooses to answer as he pleases. But don't miss it. Don't miss the listening. Don't miss the silence. It takes discipline, but I promise you this. If you will not discipline yourself to just listen, even five minutes a day, you will miss what God is wanting to say. You'll miss it. What a tragedy to live this whole life and miss what God is wanting to do. You may be thinking, well, that's great, Luke, but I don't have time. (laughs) If it's important, you'll make time. And I want to say this. Just start with five minutes. We've been talking a lot this year about as a church, what's your next faithful step? Your next faithful step could be giving God five minutes. Just give Him five. Don't start at 30, because I promise you by day three, you'll already have given up. (laughs) Done it. Start with five and let God build it. Five minutes a day, God, I'm just going to praise you for who you are, and then I'm going to ask you for something, and then I'm going to listen for a minute and a half. You know what happens? Five will turn to 10. 10 will turn to 15. 15 will turn to 20, because as God begins to speak, you can't resist it. You can't have life without him speaking and moving. It doesn't work, because you'll feel this inside of you beginning to spur, and when you enter the presence of god there is none like it none jim simbola says this the more we pray the more we sense our need to pray and the more we sense our need to pray the more we pray don't start with 30 start with five i promise you if you don't have five minutes to spare to be with the god of heaven your life is way too busy And you're like a hamster wheel chasing his own tail. If they even got tails, I don't even know. (laughs) Just give him five and watch him take it to ten. See, I want to be a people that are expectant for God to move. I want to be a people that really are expectant for God to do deep things in us so that he might do great things through us. Forget God doing stuff, great things through us if he's not doing anything in us. We were praying this morning, one of the things that I prayed is my greatest prayer for this church is that we would be a people that deeply love Jesus. If we deeply love Jesus, the rest of it takes care of itself. But if we're just here for the show and the whatever, (laughs) you're missing it. God wants to speak to you this morning that happens in silence are you willing to listen if jenna and brandon want to come up i want to end it with this quote from jim cymbala it says this satan's strategy with god's people has always been to whisper don't call don't ask don't depend on god to do great things you'll get along fine if you just rely on your own cleverness and energy The truth of the matter is that the devil is not terribly frightened by our human efforts and our credentials. But he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we lift up our hearts to God. Psalm 4.3, but we know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. I pray we don't miss it. I pray as a church we don't depend upon our own cleverness of outreach as we begin to look into that and youth and students and whatever. Like Satan's biggest tool is for us to depend upon ourselves to accomplish the things that we think God wants to do through us when maybe that's not what he wants to do through us. Did you know that as a church our stance is this that we wait on God we don't get ahead of Him we see what He's doing we want to walk with Him not in front of Him nor behind Him right there with Him when we walk in front of Him our cleverness takes over our agendas take over our desires take over and God sometimes will rein us back in ways that we don't like to remind us that it's not our cleverness it's not our abilities it's not our talents it's not any of it it's Him It's his great might. It's his great power. And if we will come before him, and if we will bow low and praise him and petition him and listen to him, he will transform our hearts according to his will, and he will do the incredible. I want to see the sun stand still. (laughs) I want to see Jericho's walls fall. I want to see this valley transformed with the power of the gospel, the message, the only message that saves, the only hope for our souls. But it does not start with petitioning. It starts with praising and listening. And then we petition according to his will. Buildings, yeah, they're going to come. Worship, yeah, it's going to grow. I believe we're going to produce albums out of here. Yes, that will come. I'm believing God for these things. Why? Because the gospel is all that matters at the end of the day. Nothing else does. But if we're not a people that will bow our hearts before Him and pray and get on our knees and listen for what He wants to say, we will miss it. Here's my ask. Will your next faithful step this week be to take five minutes every day for seven days straight, praise him, petition him, and listen, see what he might do. And as you're praying and as you're petitioning, petition for your one, who's your one, who is the one person that you are pouring into, that you are wanting to love like Jesus loved you, that God has placed upon your heart, pray for that one every day. And watch as God begins to mold your heart to the things of him. Don't miss it. Oh, how I desire to be a church that bows low and lifts him high. And it starts with each one of you and me doing it individually in our home every day. It's not here. We come here to celebrate and praise, but it doesn't start here. It starts in your homes. And if you're in this room... And you've never heard the gospel, hear this. This is the one that we pray to. This is why we praise. This is why we give him glory. Because there is this king in heaven who knew we were separated from him because of our natural state of sin. We were beelining towards hell and we had no hope. God doesn't send you to hell. You just reject his love. We praise the one that said, I won't settle for that. I can't stand the fact of being separated from this one that I created in my image, in my likeness. And it breaks my heart that that son or daughter is running from me and they don't even know. So I came to this planet. Jesus came, perfect, the Son of God. To pay the price for your sin that you and I owed so that we did not have to pay it. He hung on a cross. He was beaten and bruised. And then they sent him to the grave. And you know what Satan said? Ha, yeah, I won. You know what the Roman soldier said? See that? Who's your Jesus now? Who's that God that's laying in the bottom of the tomb? If that was the case, we'd have nothing to pray about. We'd have no one to praise. We'd have no one to give thanks to. But God. Jesus rose from the grave on the third day to offer life and freedom to anyone who will bow their knee and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Save me. I don't have it figured out. That's why I'm calling on you. And Jesus says, finally, you're in the place that I've been trying to get you to. It's all about me. You can't work enough. You can't do enough good works to earn my love, to earn my salvation. Come to me and receive this gift of grace and mercy, and he'll set you free in a moment. If that's you in this room, I'm coming to tell you today, don't wait. This king of glory is calling you to himself, and he wants to reveal himself to you, and he will if you will call upon his name. That's the God that we pray to. We don't pray to Buddha, we don't pray to Muhammad. we don't pray to these prophets and these dead buried gods. We pray to the one who has defeated sin and death, who conquered the grave and offers life like no one else can. That's who we pray to, that should not be boring. That's why we pray. So if you're in this room and you don't know this king, I plead with you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can put it on the connect card that you have made that decision. We will walk with you. We want to do life with you. But I'm telling you, don't miss it. And church, if you're in here this morning, don't miss it. Don't get so busy that you miss the voice of God because God is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to speak through me, and he does it through silence. God, I praise you for your name. God, we give you thanks and honor and glory and praise for who you are because you are worthy of praise. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life. God, I was thinking about it this morning and it brought me to tears thinking that what you have done for me, that you didn't want me separated from you. And I pray we wouldn't miss the power of that. So God, we praise you for who you are. God, we ask you to do incredible things in and through us. God, we ask you to move in this room right now. Holy Spirit, fill this place. God, and would we be a people that listen, quick to listen, slow to petition, and watch all that you will do as we lift you high. We love you, Jesus. It's in your authority that we pray. Amen. Amen.